Deck the halls with boughs of days. Day after. Wait, did we ever decide? Are we? Do we acknowledge that we record the we before this release? Okay. We. I mean, we it's tried. It's a not. day. It's a day after Thanksgiving. All right. Here we are. It's finally time. Deck the halls. Yes. My Get your stocking out. My neighbor's already got a blow up of Gr- of the Grinch in his oh, front yard. My neighborhood totally. Like he did it today, or he already had it before. I Thanksgiving. don't know. This morning when I got up to go to the gym, it was already up. So it was either last <laughs> night. <laughs> he and got it, over. And it's the- not a Christmas. It's a Grinch. Like. <laughs> Good for him. Oh, the irony. Yeah. <laughs> get me, get me out of Grandma's house. We got to put up the Grinch. Look, I think because it's 2020, most people are like, we're going to celebrate Christmas early because we need some cheer. I don't know though. I'm still I'm still kind of grinchy. I mean, I feel like some people are trying to cancel Christmas. <laughs> I'm just gonna throw it out there. Blasphemy. Anyway, well, we're not canceling one thing, and that's this podcast. Not yet. Hadn't <laughs> gotten rid of us yet. Not yet. We have a killer episode laid out for the day, and yeah. um, yep. Hunter and I are feeling great because we're we're feeling really literally good. Really fresh good. off of a workout. Like I stopped sweating on the drive over here. Fresh off a nice eighty percent day after Thanksgiving effort for me. Yeah, I don't know. Eighty percent felt like a hundred today. Uh, but here we are. We're going to talk about something that I think inside of the CrossFit community, and I believe even now because of the the marketing that's been done, and we don't have time to talk about this, but the way that CrossFit and especially the games was saved from the abyss. Um, we're going to enter into a debate that uh, is longstanding. And actually, we're going to dodge the debate. I don't think it's going to be a debate. It's not a debate. Most people want to debate, and, and everybody knows where we're headed. Who's the best of all time inside of CrossFit? Is it this guy? Is it that guy? Is it this guy? All you have to do is do a simple YouTube search of Matt Frazier mm-hmm. and watch in amazement as this guy does something superhuman, and it looks like he's barely even trying. So, Hunter, you want to talk about today what makes Matt Frazier so dominant yeah what there because there are some keys there it's not just like oh this guy just accidentally became great at crossfit yeah yeah i that's something that i think about a lot is um looking at specific people and what is it that makes them so good um and i think that's just i it's something that has always come naturally to me and it's something i really dug into specifically with crossfit because um just with the way i am built naturally i'm not naturally um, built for the sport and so I'm always looking at well, what it, what is it that makes this specific person so good I started off by doing with Rich Froning when Rich Froning you know was so good I, I dissected and I looked at everything he did I watched every video that they put out on him multiple times and I was really trying to figure out well what is it that separates him from everybody else and then now the same thing with Matt Frazier and so um, I really wanted to talk about this because the the field is not getting closer to him he's pulling away from the field he's getting better I mean it's like it's a foregone conclusion that he's going to win at this point you know <laughs> uh, and, and the first you know he came up and uh he got second to uh Ben Smith and then after that he's just been absolutely dominant and he's getting better and better every single year even though he's getting older I think he he's either 29 or 30 now ancient uh, well in CrossFit it is CrossFit is, I mean yeah. there's guys uh, up and coming 21 22 year old guys and he's just, just, just. Waxing. Do CrossFit athletes age faster than uh, NFL players? You think? No, no, but it, no. They, they don't age faster. But the curve of the sport is much more narrow. Meaning, mm-hmm. like you, peak you, is it you, is yeah, twenty because they're yeah. at top level fitness. You know, it's. I, I think that it, it's a, definitely a sport where it takes a lot of time to get to the top. And so for a while there, it was older guys just because they had more time under their belt. But now these young guys are coming up. 
with five, six, seven, eight years of training under their belt. And then they also have, you know, the, the hormones and testosterone and everything that in lack of, of playing other sports training age on. So, you know, CrossFit has been their sport since they were kids. So now I think you will start seeing the peak of CrossFit athletes in their low to mid twenties. Yeah. And the other thing is you can't adjust for age, like in other sports, let's take football, for instance, you can adjust the way that you play or the strategy of the way you play, even boxing. Like you can avoid more, not getting those knockdown drag outs. You yeah. can accommodate for your age, but in CrossFit, you start accommodating for your age. You just stay home. Football is a little different because every position is different. Mm-hmm. Like I think quarterbacks maybe peak later because there's a lot more of, of, yeah. of reps and film study and knowledge that it takes. And you don't have to be a super athlete um to play the position you maybe you play change the way you play um and basketball maybe it, you change the way you play a little bit baseball i think you a peak peak you definitely peak a little bit later but crossfit is really there there's so many different aspects to it but you do have to have the fast twitch muscle the explosiveness to be able to olympic lift um a lot of weight but you also have to have the slow twitch muscle and the endurance and the fibers and all that type of stuff so there's a lot going on to it so anyways um, we're going to look at five different factors of what, uh, I think that makes Matt Frazier so dominant. The Frazier five, the Frazier five. Yeah. <laughs> We've got and, and I mean, there's, there's obviously a whole, there's a million different factors that you could look at too, but these are the five biggest ones in my opinion of what makes them so good. Okay. Number one on your list, I'll admit. And I think our audience is going to be a little bit confused uh, as well because, Part of your mantra is, hey, it's hard work. Hard work makes the difference. But but number one on your list is not hard work. Yeah, it's genetics. It's genetics. Uh, and this is my contention, and I'm huge in growth mindset. I think that anybody can make it to the top levels of anything um, or close to it um, based off of hard work um, within reason. So, like, let's say – what we'll, we'll take basketball for example you have to have a certain body type to be able to make it to that level i don't care how much you work at it now if you really wanted to play in the nba and you're 5-10 maybe you just get really really good at shooting three pointers and by shooting three pointers all the time you might have a chance to do it but yeah. ball I, handling is yeah, a great example i think that most people if if you pick something, you can get within the top probably 1% of people in the world at that given thing just by working at it. But to make it to be the best of the best of the world, of anybody else in the world, there's definitely a genetic component. Which clearly that's where Fraser yes, is. Yeah, so. and not only is he the best of, of the world in one given year, he's he is the best of all time at this point, and I don't think you can argue that. Um, and so genetics, you have to take that into account. And his parents were Olympic skaters, um, they are Olympic Olympians. And so he has, he has the genetic component that it takes, um, to be elite, the elite of the elite. So when you say genetics, you're, you're literally getting down to like the, the DNA of like yeah. you talk about, he's just more explosive than the average human. He's got longer endurance than the average human, those sorts of things. His peak is just a little bit higher than everybody else's peak because of who his parents were, uh, because of, if you really want to dig into it, epigenetics, his parents, when they had him, were at their peak, so they expressed those specific genes in that way. Um, and if you're not sure what epigenetics is, uh, look it up, do some research on it. It's fascinating to it's see. It's horrifying is it, what it, it is. It is. It's fascinating <laughs> and horrifying because you're 
the it's it's basically um, what genes. It doesn't change their actual DNA makeup, but it changes the way it's expressed. Yes, um, and you're so you're more likely to express certain genes um, if you're based on what your parents' genes were expressing when they had you. So, um, needless to say, uh, Matt Fraser, he his genetic component set him up to be a world class athlete. There's no doubt about it. He was at the Olympic U.S. Olympic tw- uh, Training Center to train to be a, a weightlifter. He was um, incredibly, like, incredible skier um, bef- when he was a, a youth a kid. Mm. Um, you know, there's videos of him doing flips and all kinds of crazy stuff on the slopes because um, that's where he grew up in Vermont, and that's what they did. Like, he was just a, a, just a genetic, you know, specimen, genetic 1% athlete. From from the get go, yeah, this guy wasn't couched to five k. Like yeah, he's, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he was yeah. born with the ability to get after. It. He didn't earn that; it was just handed to him. Now, well, so and and I mean, obviously, he worked really hard. He was playing extreme sports from a very young age, but he also he was better than the other kids that were doing the same sports. Yeah, and him. we're gonna get to like we're gonna get to fact. He we're saying right now that he, did, he didn't earn that. There's some things that he has earned. We're mm-hmm. going to get that later on the list. So let's move on to two because this is – once people figure this out, they're like, oh, yeah. like his background, he wasn't like just a great baseball player. You know, you look right. at guys like Froning and they're like, yeah, pretty solid, decent football player, decent mm-hmm. baseball player, and a lot of people allow it that. But you're like, oh, he was at the Olympic Village. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah so, that makes sense. Yeah, so the background, number one, like I said, his parents were Olympic athletes, and so that – exposed him at a very young age to um that level of training and we're going to talk we're going to get back to that we're going to get into the training style and work ethic later but his background um as far as coming into the sport of crossfit he came in having already trained um at the olympic training center for weightlifting he he did break his back so that which is we're not going to get into that but that's just mind-boggling that he has been able to um overcome that and come back and um being able to to compete at such a high level, but he was at the Olympic training center to be a, uh, Olympic athlete in weightlifting. So the snatch and the clean and jerk, um, before he had an injury. And so he was snatching well over 300 pounds, clean and jerk well over 350 from a very young age. What it takes to do that is strength, power, explosiveness, flexibility, all the type of stuff that takes years and years and years to develop. If CrossFit is going to be your sport, well, he already had, he came into CrossFit having already put all that work in. Now, when he stepped in a gym, he was just, he, he stepped in it because he had been hurt and he just wanted to get back into it. And he just joined a CrossFit gym because they had weightlifting uh, equipment that they would let him use. Um, if you know a story, he, he got hurt. He was really out of shape and he knew he needed to start training again. So he would just went, joined a gym where they would let him lift weights and then he was watching them and they were like, well, why don't you come and jump in this CrossFit workout? And then he picked it up very quickly because he had that background of flexibility and strength. Now, obviously, it wasn't expressed very well when he first joined, but it came back very quickly. And so most people are having to train, you know, decades to be able to get a snatch over 300 pounds and clean jerk over 350 and the flexibility that it takes to, to achieve those things. Well, he had already done all that when he started CrossFit. So that put him so far ahead of the field. He didn't have to work on that stuff anymore. You know, once he kind of got back, you know, got that back under his belt, so to speak, he knew he he didn't have to work on that. He just had to work on the endurance and the gymnastics side of things. So his background gives him an elite level base 
in things that, especially if you look at, no doubt, like in, in mm-hmm. a CrossFit competition, they're going to eventually test a one rep somewhere yep. or they're going to put you under a heavy load. He can move those things very, very efficiently, yeah. which only gives him more in the tank to do these other things. So in some ways, you say that in CrossFit you cannot specialize or you'll get punished. But all of his background and his training has allowed him not to coast. I wouldn't say that he would coast, but he's got that base of – I know I can, in my training, focus on these things because mm-hmm. I'm already above the field in these heavy overhead lifts. Yeah, you know, I don't and have flexibility. To, yeah, and flexibility. And let's also say, in his background, he is being trained by elite coaches. We've done episode after episode yeah. about the difference a coach can make. He's with some of the top coaches in the world, mm-hmm. and not only coaching but lifestyle. I mean, you're at the you're training to be an Olympian. It is. Uh, we were discussing Phelps off mic. It's a it's a lifestyle. You know, the nutrition, the way that they're uh, examining your body and your recovery. And like, it's like whoop times a thousand. People have no idea what it takes to make it to the to the world class level of any sport. Most people just don't have any idea. Yeah, they, most people think that they work hard and they probably do work hard. But the the wor- work hard for an average person compared to work hard for a world class athlete, it's not even in the same realm. It's not even the same ballpark. And you don't you you don't even realize it until you get around somebody like that, until you actually see them on a day-to-day basis. Oh, my gosh, this this is way more than I ever thought it, it, it took. And so he was exposed to that, and so he knew that um, at a very young age because he was rubbing, rubbing shoulders, rubbing elbows with other people who are trying to do the same thing as him. And it, the thing is, it's crazy. He was at the U.S. Weightlifting Center trying to be to make the Olympic team in weightlifting, and the U.S. is not good at weightlifting, <laughs> especially back then. We were not good. We might have one person make it to the Olympics, um, and so he was competing with other people who were just trying to make it to the Olympics, but who would just go and get stomped by the Russians and the Eastern Europeans and the uh, and the Chinese at the at the Olympics. So um, he was he was competing to make it to the Olympics with other people who, but and in a sport where they would have gotten dominated at the, at the uh, Olympic level. Yeah. Is this, crazy. Is, this is part of the discussion for me is incredibly fascinating because at the time where all this stuff was happening, Frazier didn't know what was coming in his life no. and how that was actually preparing him. And it, he had to go through this huge episode of injury slash yeah. failure Man, and, it, and people it, just yeah were, couldn't have set him up any more perfectly for the sport that he was eventually going to take on. Yeah, but if you ask him while he was going through it, I mean, and I've seen a few interviews where he's been pretty honest about this. Like it, it was a dark place, very yeah. dark. <laughs> so. And 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 he went to school and he was going to be an engineer, and he talks about that, and he just did CrossFit for fun, and then he ended up being really really good at it because of his background and the years and years and years of training he had put into it. All right, so let's move on to this one. This this is a, a little bit, we've got to differentiate it from genetics, but number three is body type. Yeah, so body type, he is, CrossFit is a, like it or not, it's a range of motion sport. You In a typical CrossFit workout, it's going to be about how fast you can cycle reps. Um, when you get to the games, there's more like endurance stuff and, um, you know, biking and swimming and that type of stuff where it's less about body type, but there's still going to be the typical CrossFit workout, cross, uh, couplet, triplet, chipper, you know, that type of, you know, gymnastics, that type of stuff. It favors a specific body type and where you got to have a long torso, short levers. And 
Key is, I think, like 5'6", and so he's shorter than even the average male CrossFit athlete at the CrossFit Games, so his range of motion is less. He has short arms and legs. 5'7". 5'7". He's listed as 5'7". He's not (laughs) 5'7". Is that still going on? (laughs) Yeah. It's like Froning's listed as 5'9". He's not 5'9". Froning's probably 5'8", maybe, 5'7 Frazier's probably five six. Are you telling me I should have tried harder with CrossFit? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. Yeah, yeah you've got the perfect body. Yeah, you, are, you are built for it. So, <laughs> so he is. His range of motion is less than average CrossFit Games athletes. When typically in the past, when you take somebody who is shorter, like Noah Olson, for example, he's built similar to Noah. Um, they struggle with the max lifts. So the one rep maxes, they typically are less. And then even if they are good at one rep maxes, they struggle at handling the weight consistently. So like uh, if it's there was a workout uh, at the games this year where they had to go, I think it was 225 overhead, you know, five or six reps uh, for a certain five rounds or whatever it was. That usually and you saw it that that grinded no Olsen down to the ground. But Matt Frazier, because of his background, because of the years and years of weightlifting that he had, because of the strength he came into the sport with. He is able to handle those weights like other people who are his size cannot handle it. So he has the benefit of he can do the reps super fast. He can do burpees, you know, super fast. He can do all the other other you know the gymnastic stuff very fast, and um, he can he can destroy body weight stuff. But he also has the strength endurance and the max strength that most people his size don't have. So that gives him such a huge advantage of, over everybody else because not only can he do the reps faster, but he's just as strong, if not stronger, at the heavier weights as bigger guys. And so it's just a, a double whammy. Like, it's just a perfect storm for him to be able to dominate most CrossFit-type workouts. Yeah, I don't want to say that number three is, like, the hinge of this whole list. Yeah. But, I mean, without it, yeah. this other stuff would be difficult if to he overcome. was three inches taller he wouldn't be as dominant as he is i mean okay so let's let's compare this so everyone remembers uh he's listed online as games legend chris spieler yeah right which is so funny we have a spiel bar in at coyote fitness that yeah. chris could not even reach right. <laughs> <laughs> but um so they're roughly so uh, chris spieler five five yeah they're like if he's you, maybe an inch taller than chris spieler maybe two yeah so you start if you think about that because it's a little hard the way we experience these athletes viewing them you know in Instagram and TV on the games those guys if they were standing next to each other at a party are roughly the same height yeah Matt Frazier weighs a lot more I mean Matt Frazier is like 190 195 so he yeah. outweighs him by probably 40 or 50 pounds yeah 50 pounds according to what's online 50 pounds yeah um so Chris Spieler if you're an OG and you used to watch back in the day like if it was like body weight gymnastics workout he just nobody yeah nobody could touch him he would just destroy everybody but Matt Frazier can not only dominate those workouts he also can dominate the weightlifting workouts because he's so strong there was a workout a couple years ago in the open um I'm sure I'm sure we could find it and and put the link in but you're watching Frazier burpee and you're like, mm-hmm. that just doesn't like his, his hinge is so yep. quick and he never slowed down in the entire workout. Yep. I think it was a burpee over bar. Yep. So yeah, body type is a huge thing. And I, and I think I want to pause a little bit here in, in the list because this is where we can see a direct intersection with the typical, um, CrossFit athlete mm-hmm. at, at the local gym. You know, they get frustrated when they're doing wall balls next to someone and they're going as hard as they can but every rep's just taking them a little longer. That burpee over bar workout, 
not only is it taxing, but man, if you're if you're six one and you're next to someone who's five seven, mm-hmm. there's going to be a difference between the get down, get up time. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you're working any less hard, you know. Mm-hmm. And and people at the elite level, like you said, Olson, all these guys, when you get into these situations, there's a distinct possibility you're fighting your body type. It's yeah. not your work ethic. And you have to remember, look, I'm here to get fit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not here to suddenly do this workout like I'm five six. I'm yeah. not. If you're at the gym to be fit, you're co- only you only need to compare yourself to yourself, you know, not yeah. compare you, you because it's a six somebody who like me who's six four, like I can't compare myself on bar face and burpees to somebody who's five seven. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, like not only is it a burpee, so they have an advantage, but it's a bar face and burpee, so you're feet are ending up way farther away from the bar than theirs are so mm-hmm. it's like it's it's a double double-edged sword and so it's a range of motion sport for the most part now when you're tall you do have a few advantages like wall balls Rowing. but the thing yeah. about wall balls is the advantage you have at being tall as wall ball is that you don't have to throw it as high but when the guys are so sh- the short guys shorter guys are so strong now that it doesn't matter they can squat faster so they can act like Matt Frazier. He does wall balls faster than anybody because he's so strong and he can throw the ball up there so fast. And then rowing, I mean, he squats almost 500 pounds. He can pull <laughs> so you know, hard. He can pull so hard that he almost negates. Now, if, you know, if I trained at rowing, I could beat Matt Frazier on just about any row just because that's where my, you know, actual strengths are. Mm-hmm. Um, but just about everything else he's going to win on. Yeah, so it, it, it's not like he gets a pass. So the next thing that we're getting into allows him to take advantage of the other things that we've listed. Yep. Okay, without – so maybe this is the hinge. Without this element, none of the other stuff matters. He he is set up to to be have the best chance to dominate the sport, but it still takes the training style and work ethic that he does. Yep. Um, and – Nobody outworks Matt Fraser. Nobody, I, I, and and that is the reason he wins. And you can look at it; it's probably because he came in with the background that he had. His parents were Olympic athletes, so he saw what it took to be an, a world class athlete from a very young age. That was the type of household he grew up in, so that was ingrained in him. You got to work hard. You got to work hard. You listen to him talk. He talks about hard work. He talked about hard work when he was in school, when he was an engineer, how hard he would study, and he would go in the library for like 12 hours on end and just study. Like most people don't do that. So he he's known how to work hard from a very young age. He was at the weightlifting uh, training center, so he was doing that. So he was he's he's been a very hard worker his whole life. But then you also start coupling that, and he starts winning. Well, that and he starts, you know, making money from this, and he becomes a professional. That's just going to amplify it even more because he's getting rewarded for this hard work. So it's gonna, it's like a the ball keeps rolling, and it 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 keeps, you know, it keeps pushing him to work harder because he's getting rewarded for the hard work. Whereas somebody who maybe would come in and work hard for a few years, and then they're not getting the results, it's it's gonna demotivate them. He's getting results; it's gonna motivate him even more. Something that stood out to me for. I saw in a video four or five years ago, I can't remember, but it was maybe after the first or second year he won, and he was talking about his rest day, and he said that he would put on Netflix on the office, and he would get down on the ground, and he would do mobility for five to seven hours on his rest day. Stretching, that's, foam rolling, that's not human. lacrosse ball, and I was like, Nobody does that. So, Nobody. so part six is the office, right? Yeah, <laughs> no yeah, one. Yeah. That's the is utilizing. Sauce. <laughs> yeah. and, and if you follow him, he lives a very Spartan lifestyle. Like all he does for fun is shoot guns, and he. But like when he after he finishes the game, he goes into the a cabin in the woods for a couple of weeks and doesn't do anything. So he doesn't. It's not like he has like this 
exuberant lifestyle where he's traveling all the time and doing all this other stuff that some of these other games athletes are who really one that goes deep in the woods with his family and hunts is that Matt? I think it was Matt. It was it, there's some CrossFit dude. Really, he, he yeah. might have. I don't know. He goes with his fiance, and they just go to a cabin and turns off everything for a couple weeks on plugs. Oh, that's crazy. But he, he pauses his training for that long. Well, after the games, he wow. kind of takes an off season. That makes sense. Which is smart. But he's probably still doing stuff outdoors and yeah, yeah, and yeah. But he, so you you put all that. He's not traveling all the time. He's not doing all these photo shoots like some of these other games athletes are. He's not doing all this other stuff. He's about the training and the work ethic and working hard, and he he puts the work in. And then you can tell when he trains, he trains really hard. He pushes himself. What separates people from the top, you know, the top level from qualifying from sanctionals and not a lot of times is that extra 1%, 2% you're able to get out of yourself in training day in and day out in a workout. Did you put that bar down on the last set or did you hold on to it? Did you did you push the pedal to the metal at the very end or not? And then he's been doing that for a long time. He He's always done this. Is He's done this lifting at home and his aerobic intervals at home. But when he he's going to do workouts, he's always talked about he goes and does workouts with people who are going to push him in that specific workout. And he used to have a group of guys, and he, I've heard him talk about this, one guy could push him on the running stuff, another guy could push him on the gymnastic stuff, another guy could push him on the weightlifting stuff. And he made sure when he was doing that specific workout, he was doing it with that guy to push him. So mm-hmm. he was always around guys who were going to push him to bring the best out of him. Now he trains with Tia every day, you know, the, the women's champ. And they're pushing each other in everything they do every single day, holding each other accountable. And that's just elevating them both to a whole nother level. So he's always surrounding himself with people that are better than him. Another great story of, of him is when he got almost last in the sprint event, he called up a high school track coach and said, I need you to um, help me get better at sprinting. And so he started going to high school track practice and running running with the, the high school kids every <laughs> single day. And he was like, it was humiliating because these 17-year-old kids were dusting me and running. But I, he kept showing up because he, he's like, I got to get better at this. And so he's willing to go and – put his ego aside and go get beat by somebody over and over and over again. And some of these CrossFit athletes have such big egos that they will not leave their gym. They have to be the number one person in their gym and they can't ever lose because it affects their ego. He's willing, he's like, you know what? I'm willing to go lose because I know in the long term it's going to help me reach my goals. And so um, being around people who are going to push him to that extra one, two percent day in and day out in, in, in a given workout brings out the best of him even more. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, looking back, not to dive into the debate, but this was a lot of Froney's reputation as well. Like, this guy just works and mm-hmm. works and works and works. Not that that um, Frazier needed to look at Froney for that, like we've discussed his background, but I do think something was set up in the sport by Froning. Like, if you want to be the top, you better work harder than anybody else. It's Success leaves clues. It doesn't matter what sport it is. You go and look at the top. The top marathon runners in the world, they all train together. It's a group of guys that run together all the time in Africa. And um, the same thing in in any other sport. They're they're the top of the – the very top of people outwork everybody else. Lance Armstrong outworked everybody else. If you go watch the documentary, they talk about him. That's what it takes to be at the top is you have to – especially in a sport where it's about endurance and – you know, have being more fit than somebody else, you have to outwork everybody else. And and Froning did that. And Froning, did, his training was the same. 
he would train by himself a lot, but when it came time to do a, a workout, he was making sure he was with somebody else who was going to push him in that workout. Yeah. Um, and then he was always, you know, writing down times and then trying to beat his old time. So if he wasn't able to compare with somebody else, he would push him, He would be able to compare with his last time and that he would use the clock to push him. So again, let's dive down just the, the mm -hmm. average person, you know, we all have these experiences where you can either let's the rack, I think is the easiest place to talk about it. Yeah. You're going to double up or triple up with somebody in the rack. Cause you're doing a particular lift before a Metcon and you know, I can go over to this group of guys. They're not going to push me because we're roughly the same because yeah. we're looking at people's scores in sugar water all the time. Or I can go over to these guys. I'm going to be a little bit embarrassed. We're going to have to take weights off every time it, it comes to my turn. Yep. But I'm going to lift more and be better over in this side. And yep. ma making that small choice over time, you look at talk about a six-week or six-month, making that small choice, you're just automatically going to be stronger. Yeah. Oh, there's no doubt. Like The people who consistently make progress are the ones that are willing to put their ego aside and get pushed in workouts and the people who only show up for the stuff they're good at they never miss a workout that on stuff they're good at but if it's something they're not good at they they always have something come up at work you know th <laughs> those type of people they don't ever make a whole easy, lot of progress because they because they only do the stuff that they're good at that they they can beat other people on but if they don't think they're gonna get they're gonna win on it they don't show up or they'll avoid like if it's a running workout everybody knows who the good runners are are you showing up to the class where the good runners are or are you showing up to the class making sure you're skipping that class same thing with any other movement you know yep. and so if you want to get better get around somebody who's be better than you or on your level in certain things as often as you can so the last uh, this kind of overlaps with a little yep. bit on the last but i think we can kind of focus in a little bit with fraser here with mindset yep. it's um we've talked a lot about setting your ego aside so far but it's not just that sort of the mindset like oh i'm gonna be the best it's there's a different sort of mindset for people who get to the elite level uh i saw something not too long ago and somebody was asking him like what motivates you to work so hard he said because i want to be the best mfer whoever whoever walked out on that floor <laughs> the baddest and that's what he said yeah. and that's what motivates him to push himself day after day after day and 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 go to that place and that's what he wants you don't see him posting all this stuff on social media all the time about um you know i'm doing this i'm doing that i'm traveling over here he's putting his head down and he's working rich froning did the same thing when he was when he was at the top tia does the same thing it's all about putting in the work i want to be the best um i i'm I already said something about Noah Olson earlier, but after the games this year, he went back and posted on his social media about his thoughts on every single workout. And I was, I was, I was like, Matt Frazier would never do that. Mm. He would never. So that just shows you Matt Frazier's in it to be the best. Noah Olson's in it because of the fame that it brings him and the social media influence that it brings him because mm. he wants, that's what it's about. And that's why he's never going to win. If you go watch, you watch enough of this. I talk about this a lot, but you watch enough of these elite top performers. You see a certain mindset they have. Go watch the last dance. The mindset Michael Jordan had, it's the exact same mindset Matt Frazier had. Now, that for most people, that's a little bit over the top. They don't want to, I mean, you're sacrificing everything else in your life to be the best in the world at something, and that's what it takes, and that's what they want to do. For most people, they're not willing to do that, and that's fine. But if you want to be the best in the world, you have to have a singular focus and almost – um, almost like maniacal, maniac, maniacal, maniacal, yeah, maniacal focus, um, self-centered, driven. 
I'm going to be the best at this. Everything else takes second place to this for years and years and years. And it takes a, a, a special type of person to be able to do that. Yeah. And to, and to be able to keep that in balance. I think mm -hmm. if you look at the last dance, you look at behind the scenes with Tiger Woods, like there's a price to pay if you get to that tipping point and you don't have people around you saying, dude, <laughs> time to back up, you know, uh, but it does take that in the beginning. And I think we do a lot of like this, this actually pulls out my sense of compassion for people like that, because we celebrate that and the success that it gives us mm -hmm. or the entertainment it gives us watching them succeed. And then we hold them accountable for that same mindset when it just completely consumes their life later. Uh, but yeah, you're right. I think in the beginning, it's gotta be like, I'm, I'm not here to win friends. I'm not here to be the darling of the sport. I'm yep. not, that's what was so strange about Froning is like, wait a minute. Like there's something really tweaked about Froning, but he can still be like the president of CrossFit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just, he could well, do both things. Well, and, and to his credit, he realized when he went team, he said, he said, I realized like, I'm not willing to sacrifice my family time and this other stuff to be the best in the world because I know that's what it takes and it's a selfish pursuit and I did that and now I want to step back and spend more time with my family and I'm still going to compete and I'm still going to do team and try to be the best that I can but I'm not willing to t do what it takes to be the best in the world at this anymore and he he understood that because he there's not many people walking the planet that knows what it takes to be the best in the world at something not many mm -hmm. and he understands that and most people don't and so he saw like I'm not willing to sacrifice all this other stuff for that anymore. That's why I'm going to step back and do team, and I'm I can keep doing this. And that's when you start seeing him more as the face of the sport. Yeah. But like, if you go back and look his original videos, like all he did all day was work out, and he would let the cameras come follow him. Sometimes that was it. He wasn't traveling around and doing all this other stuff unless it was like right after the games. He would go and travel a few places. Uh, and he would be pissed about it. He would be like, this is taken away from my training, you know? Yeah, I watched him in a couple of interviews, too, and you could tell, and nobody talked about this much, but anytime they started probing him for information on his training, he totally deflected. Yeah. Like, what kind of protein do you drink? He's like, oh, I don't really drink protein. He didn't want okay. to, he, he, he was not willing to divulge a lot of stuff, and he still, he still is pretty private about a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, so the mindset has to be, like you, like you say, maniacal, um, and I think we have to understand all these other things, everything has to happen in combination. And part yep. of this list is these, and there are more, but these five things especially have to be at 100%, 100% of the time yep. for a guy like Frazier to be Like I possible. said, if, if Matt Frazier was 5'9", five, 5'10", five, he wouldn't be Matt Frazier. If Matt Frazier didn't have the family that he had, if Matt Frazier hadn't gone to the Olympic weightlifting center as a kid, he wouldn't be Matt Frazier. If Matt Frazier, you know, all, all this stuff had to line up. And it was just a perfect storm of, of circumstances for this guy um, to come along and just take the, take the f sport by storm and just dominate. And I don't know if we'll ever see anybody um, dominate on this level ever, ever again. I think, like I said, you'll start seeing people, kids who have started training for the games at 12 years old. By the time they're 21, 22, they've got 10 years under the belt and they might take the sport to another level but I don't know if you'll ever see anybody dominate for as long and as 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 much of a dominant performance as Matt Frazier has been putting on because it was just a, a a perfect, like I said, a perfect storm of circumstances. I agree with that. Yeah, and you look back at, at Froning as well. Like a guy at Froning's level later on wouldn't be as successful as Froning was. Like we've had that discussion before. Mm -hmm. So we're, I want to wrap this segment with a little bit of prediction. All right, okay. you ready for this? Yeah. I want to get Hunter's prediction on when is Frazier going to peak 
like what I'm just gonna say what age. What age is Frazier gonna be like, okay, that was my last basically my last dance at the CrossFit Games. I'm hanging it up and going team. How um, long do we have to enjoy this man? I think he's peaked right now. Like it, I, I don't I don't know if he could perform, beat people any more dominantly than he did this year. I mean, it was just like people quit watching. I quit watching <laughs> that. I mean, we talked about it and I was like, it, it, everybody's showing up for second place at this point. <laughs> um, I think it just I think as far as like uh physical abilities, he's probably got another three years to be at his actual peak two to three years of physicalness. Now he might be able to still, you know, get by with experience and not quite as physical dominant um, and still win. I would say I would give him three more years of winning before somebody beats him. That's That's unbelievable. That's my prediction. Three more years. And I think, and I've said this before, I think the guy that could beat him is Justin Medeiros in the future. He has the mind, like we talked about it, I watched that documentary with him. He's got the mindset to do it. So how many wins does that give him total? Three more. That would be eight. Eight Eight wins. I think you may be right about the dominance. Only time will tell. We'll see. He's also saying eight consecutive. Yeah. Yeah. That will never be broken. Eight consecutive. Not even close. Probably five probably won't even be broken. Yeah. What we can say, because I know Matt's going to listen to this. I'll text him and and tell him that it's out. But uh, (laughs) we can say our hats off to Matt Frazier. Like, man, much respect for all of these things and putting those things together and the way that he pursues being excellent in the sport. Wow. Way to go. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, he's. He's got a lot of circumstances that led him to this point, but nobody outworks Matt Frazier. Nobody ever has. And I don't I don't know if anybody ever will. I mean, he's <laughs> he's impressive. All right, next segment. Outside the box. Dominant edition. <laughs> Dominant, <laughs> Dominant edition. Domino's <laughs> edition. <laughs> All right. Hey, Domino's is dominant. So we, wait, are we playing Domino's or are we eating Domino's? No, we are talking about. Oh, uh, we this, should pocket that for another a future outside the box. Best pizza, best uh, fast quote unquote fast food pizza. Ah, uh, fast food pizza. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, they're all the same. <laughs> that is no way. <laughs> okay. There's at least a bottom tier. This outside the box, we are talking about something we've actually been arguing about. Uh, yeah. For a few minutes now. Yep. The most dominant athlete of all time. Yeah, I real I. I thought that we were probably all three going to agree on this, but I'm kind of starting to backtrack on that a little bit. Yeah. So, most dominant athlete of all time, any sport, the only qualification is that they were kicking butt while they were in the sport. Taking names, that's yeah, right. Or are still in the sport, mm-hmm. if, yeah. you're, if you're going to be spicy. So, what order are we going to go in? Um, I'll go, I'll go first. Go okay. first I think I have probably the easiest pick of them all. Yeah. Uh, I really, I strongly believe I'm right, but I'm happy to, I'm happy to hear your opinions on it. Um, there, can we all agree? Well, we may not all agree. I personally believe, uh, and I think the rest of the world agrees that like Olympics is like peak athleticism. All these athletes coming together, competing from every nation. Uh, it's the most, uh, ability you have to compare uh nations versus each other obviously you know you can't you don't have australia throwing out their best football team against the cowboys every year and stuff like that um so i think with that qualification i think it is almost impossible to pick anybody besides michael phelps when it comes to dominating a sport uh, the fact that he has won 28 medals in his career and 23 of them are gold medals. 
That that is uh that is some high level SAT level scoring right there. <laughs> when it comes to comes to your uh, athleticism, you're test. out of like uh, that was a fluke. Like, yeah, this like is, c- uh, clearly you're good. <laughs> <laughs> we'll admit it, you're a good swimmer, yeah, right? Yeah, there's not uh, six consecutive uh, Olympics where people are getting sick. Yeah, you know? I think the key word for Phelps is dominant. I mean, yeah. you know, now the what you get in trouble with a little bit with Phelps is some people would argue that the number of medals and the availability to win those medals in the sport of swimming, you can rack them up, you know, like if you win the gold medal in basketball, you can't go win it in basketball version two. Yeah, three on three, four on four, five on five. Six yeah, so you have the ability to accumulate. So if a guy, like, is ahead, it would be, like, related to our, our subject matter today is if you divided up the CrossFit games into individual events and you were yeah. giving gold medals for all those events, yeah. right? I'm not trying to downplay that the guys are freaking nature. That's true. But the number itself is a little bit deceptive if you talk about it in other um in other sports, there's just not the ability yeah. to win that. But he many. has done it in mul- multiple heats. This is what I think events. helps kind of mitigate that a little bit is you're talking about the length of his career from 15 to whatever. Yeah, we just got through talking about ageism in terms of athletes, yet he's done it for, what, like 12 years now yeah. of yeah. his career? He was there early, and he stayed there. Yeah, he started at 15. Yeah, uh, I th- He just retired in the previous Olympics, right? Am I wrong I think on so. that? I think he retired. Yeah. yeah, and he also went through just like Frazier. He went through this huge slump where he just didn't even want to swim anymore. Yes. Like, what? A, how do you after you've won whatever number it was? How do you stay in this like it matters? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you know he got into that mindset. So I don't know. I just have I differ with you in that the number of medals is what makes him the most dominant. That's I all mean, I'm saying. That's fair. But the percentage of races that or uh, events that he won best in the world at is pretty high percent 23 out of 28 it's pretty yeah, good it is high and i'll also say my gosh was that guy exciting to watch yeah he was man i mean just the level of entertainment and how close everything was and it wasn't like with, with frazier again it wasn't like he was just smoking everybody yeah like, there were a lot of races where he found a different place to finish milliseconds ahead there, Something about those sprints in the water at the very end. And yeah, yeah. It's looking pretty, at the thing pretty to see crazy. Who, who, who touched first. Is and especially cool. when you're like, I couldn't even like paddle from one end of that pool to yeah. the other. <laughs> this guy's been, like, I went and got a snack. He's still swimming. They're swimming faster than I could run down and back. He's also set 39 world, world records. 29 were individual. 10 were relay, which that I think that points – even further to his ability because uh, even in a situation where he could be dragged down by, by lesser, <laughs> yeah, honestly, uh, by lesser competitors, he's still churning out incredible numbers in the in a team atmosphere. Kind of similar to Frazier, yeah. who is coming out in the um, what, duos, is that what they're called? Teams. Teams. Teams, yeah. Uh, in, uh, uh, the, well, Froning. Froning. Froning did that. But yeah, Froning. Yeah, Frazier will hit oh, that next. Bad. Yeah, That's multiple true. athletes. Sorry, I misspoke. Yeah. So no, right, I don't so think Phelps. Frazier's gonna do team. I, I don't think he is. Really? I think he you don't think that. he'll coast out. I think I bet he'll change I th- his mind. I think he said when he's done with individual, he's done. I don't. I think he doesn't want to be Froning 2.0. You know. Uh, uh, I don't know, man. But it allows him to stay in the sport. That's another episode. Yeah. All right. So the two of us, Hunter, we have to like. Uh, I mean, I, dethrone I, yeah. Phelps. You make a you make a strong argument. I I I I can't say I disagree with you, Chase. But I'm just going to say something different, just to be different. <laughs> Somebody's got to be spicy. Somebody's got to build a segment. I, 
I'm going to say Michael Jordan because he was he was on a team sport. He was in a team sport, and he won six out of six NBA Finals that he was in, oh, including the point. last six. That's a great point. I, I mean, he was – I mean, LeBron has won – what has he won, five now? But he's been in like ten. And so Le, uh, Michael Jordan, he won six out of six. He was on the dream team, just dominating. But how were Jordan's teams while he was on them? I mean, they were great. I mean, you have to have a good team. I mean, he had Scottie Pippen, obviously, and he had uh, um, some other good players as well. Don't leave out Rodman. He had Dennis Rodman <laughs> one time or two times, yeah. The media circus. Uh, but, you know, people will point to, well, he, he, he got knocked out in the, in the playoffs early on in his career, and I agree with that. But at his peak, those six seasons, I don't know if there's ever been as a dominant in a team sport as – as he has been. I mean, Tom Brady is, has won the most Super Bowls. He's also lost some Super Bowls as well. Hey, similar track as Phelps. He had the I'm back uh, three feet. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm just going to say Michael Jordan uh, because, I mean, that he's just Michael Jordan. I mean, I guess when, if younger kids, they don't, they didn't see him when, they didn't see him at his peak and just how much of a phenomenon he was for so long. The only person I could compare the phenomenon too would be maybe Tiger Woods at just at peak, it just hysteria, just mass hysteria of greatness. Um, but I would say Michael Jordan because he's on a team sport and because he was six for six in NBA finals. Um, so, and I'm not, I'm not including those wizard years that, okay. that, that okay. does, those don't count. <laughs> Man, the last dance made even those look good though. Did you notice that? You're like, yeah. Oh yeah, he was still amazing. And, like, yeah, I think Jordan may have influenced the way we talk about the Wizards years. All right, so you're going to say Jordan. All right, this is going to surprise the two of you, I think. So, okay. first of all, let me say I just I just originally had Tanya Harding, but I'm going to back off. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, uh, <laughs> kidding. Total joke. Uh, so, on my list, I had Phelps. I had Tiger Woods. I had Jordan for sure. I'm going to go. Are you guys ready for this? Eli Manning. Tom Brady falls. <laughs> no. Usain Bolt. So I'm going to go. Oh, shoot. Huh. That is a great yeah, pick. Yeah, that is a good one. All right. So Man, that's a say, really good pick. Um, a couple of different things. So I always talk about all the gold medals, okay, and all the victories and the winning. I'm picking this guy because he finished a lot of races, like, pointing at the camera and laughing. <laughs> while, <laughs> including point. when he set a world record. <laughs> yes, while the other Olympians were trying their best to, to beat him. Yeah. He's, like, skipping across the finish line. Uh, I'm also picking him as my number one reason for picking him because there's such a small margin for error in this sport. Yep. And to be at the top for that long, completely unheard of, mm -hmm. right? So, I don't know. His showing at the Olympics, it matches your standard. Uh, the fact that he's got to be – he's got to dominate at the 100 and the 200, and he's able to do that, when, uh, the only guy, I think, to ever do that, to win gold. So, I think – it's they don't get a lot of airtime because I don't know why. But if you look at a sprinter, well, it's because they run so fast. Like it's <laughs> right. not a lot of show. Over. <laughs> we'll be right back, you know. Uh, but a sprinter, man, they they have such a short shelf life. Yeah. But he did not. So plus I'm, he ate true. twenty chicken nuggets before his races too. Did you know that from McDonald's? <laughs> no. That was his pre-race meal. Pre-race was some I chicken nuggets. I think you convinced me, Ben. Yeah, I mean, I think Iverson Phelps. Uh, I, th I think it's a, I think he's a close second. It but depends I think I on agree the day, probably between yeah. those two. Yeah, I mean, Jordan just is in a different class. Well, I mean, I well, Bolt did the same thing. He won relays. 
Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like I'm saying it depends on the day, meaning whether you would pick Phelps or Bolt, but I mean, definitely, probably the top two Olympians of all time. Yeah. Um, you yeah. Know, both with fame and stats and all that. I think I still pick Phelps for longevity, uh, but I think in terms of just, if you're going pure dominance, yeah, I you, during Usain's career, he's definitely crushed people. Yeah, so we'll we'll concede to a tie. And hadn't some of Michael Phelps' world records been broken? I don't know. Oh, the I'm, sure. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure that probably on have, way. And then nobody's even come close to Usain Bolt's. Like they, I saw this, some article a long time ago where they were projecting like world uh, world record times for certain races and stuff, and as you know, how long it would take for uh, the time to get down to this certain point and Usain Bolt let's skip like 50 years or something like that, <laughs> like 50 years <laughs> ahead of time. Of yeah. History. <laughs> yeah. Just based on like, you know, as time goes on, uh, the population gets better at specific things. Times get faster. And Usain Bolt like just skipped right over like 50 years. Uh, Phelps still holds four of them. Uh, he holds a medley that he did himself. And then he holds three relays. That medley is impressive for a swimmer too. Yeah. I don't know. It's a good point, Ben. I'm just, uh, thank you. I would like, what is mm. this, episode uh, 80? 80, yeah. I finally made a good point in an outside the box. <laughs> when it, yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. Like I'm like Frazier, I'm at my peak. Well, you're like Frazier, you spend so much time inside the box that so you don't have time to put outside the box. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There ben it research is. research, Derek. <laughs> uh, all right, last segment, recommends. This is usually where Hunter shines. I got, I got a good TV show on Amazon Prime. It's called Bosch. You guys heard of it? Oh, yeah. He's like a... I watched detective, a few minutes. Yeah. He's Say a detective, yeah? Bosch. He's an angry uh -uh. detective. Yeah. Uh, he's an angry detective. If you watch Lost, he's uh, the uh, the bad guy on Lost. Um, and it's got a couple people from The Wire in it. It's a, it's a good show. I, I like it. Yeah, he's an angry detective, kind of plays by his own rules. You know, it's been done before. But I think uh, I think this is done really well. The acting's good. Um, character development, good dialogue stuff. So I, I like it. It matches your criteria too, and it has has multiple seasons. There's a lot. Yeah, of I think seasons. there's seven seasons now. I've yeah. only seen the first two. Yeah, so you could totally binge watch. Yeah. So uh, I actually have to come in. I do this a lot, but I have to come in because it's just recently released as the last season of The Crown. And uh, you love this show. Yeah, I like it, it less. Fall off? I like it less now. Yeah. Um, you like a uh, uh, Prince Philip. Uh, Philip, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I really like his development, which I found out this guy's still alive. He's like 99. That's crazy. Yeah. Who lives that long? Isn't so. he the one that's still driving, too? Had like a hit Probably. and run? I don't know. Okay. What does he think about his portrayal? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. They've been very quiet about it. So mm. uh, I haven't taken the YouTube deep dive, but this one, I'm recommending it because a lot of people probably in the median age that watch this actually watch the life of Princess Diana. Uh, tragically short as it was, they do a pretty good job portraying the characters. And there's another guy, uh, the guy that's playing Prince Charles. He's in um, uh, shows the Corels at, at Darfu. He's anyway. He's a really good actor. Mm. I'm excited to see kind of where his career is going to go. The after Prince this. Diana is uncanny. Yeah, Hers is. yeah. they did an we, incredible we, job. Yes, that. it's uh, that's another part of it. If you're looking like. The, the behind the scenes stuff, the dialect coaching, the mannerism coaching, mm -hmm. the is I the mean, last season up until when she she dies. Yeah, she's the the last season. Spoiler ends. alert! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute, what? <laughs> uh, they stop things. It's it, the marriage is falling apart the whole season, but they stop things 
premature to the actual divorce, so I think they're setting up for next season. But oh, you just oh, gave me a great recommend idea. Oh, yeah. so there's still more season to come out. Uh, no, no, I think there's. They were setting up. I don't know what number this is. Four, maybe season five, four or five. Well, I, I mean, think the they, queen's still alive, so they ended. <laughs> they got a lot of. They content. ended this one setting up for the next one, but I've only seen uh, the first season. I think. So. I just I appreciate it because it's uh, you can watch this and you're not constantly put into conflict of like oh my gosh this is total garbage or smut or they just did it very well very carefully. That's the first time I've used this word that word on this. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, smut, total smut. Uh, yeah, it's just worth watching. I'm not saying like it's going to change your life, but if you're looking for something to to watch during the holidays, it can be on when the children are awake. Uh, it's pretty good. Mm. Yeah, The Crown. I got have one other thing to recommend as well. Oh. Yes, I've stumbled into this, and I'm I'm going very public with this at great risk to myself in front of Hunter. I'm going to recommend recommend the Kindle reading app. All right, it's digital and it's reading. I'm a paper guy. I know Hunter from his Instagram account. He's a paper guy as yeah. well, right? But I started figuring it up. You're going to save roughly five to seven dollars per book. Also, Kindle has entries. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, They're recycled paper. Yeah, it's recycled it's paper. paper. <laughs> you know. Um, also, it's got a dark mode, and I have figured out that I read about twenty percent faster in dark mode than I do an actual book. Wow! Which means I can consume more content. Do Kindles do the the faux lighting thing where it looks like paper, or is that just Nooks that do that? Uh, it, the iPad app obviously doesn't, but yeah, the Kindle will as well. If you get like the paper white or I'm just yeah. talking about on the iPad, oh, okay. you download it, uh, you get, put it on dark mode. You're going to be able to read a little bit faster. Highlighting is easier. Light. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I love, I love the experience of a good paper book. Do okay. you put it on, uh, the night mode as well? The warm setting on your iPad? Yeah. If it's night. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, so what I'll do is if I read a book that I enjoy on the Kindle app, I'll go back and buy it. You know, so I probably, the money probably ends up equaling out. It's like, that's a good book. I'd like to own that. Um, but if you're a reader, I think people are really down on, yeah. oh, it's digital, it's not the same. I've tried it. I just couldn't get into it. Some people like it, though. I, I mean, think I just have a probably better mindset about it, but that's just me. You're more open. Yeah. 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 You're I appreciate kind of in a fixed you. mindset. Yeah, could be. I'm in a growth mindset. No, I, I, I gave it a shot. It didn't work out for me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chase, recommend. All right, well, calling back to what you were talking about with the, the dialect coaching and stuff like that on The Crown, there's a, a fantastic YouTube series that w the Wired Magazine puts out uh, on their YouTube channel. Uh, they, they go with a guy named Eric Singer. He's a dialect coach. And he goes in and breaks down the accuracy of different impressions or uh, accents within movies and TV shows. You, Ben. Wow. You will love it. <laughs> but, like, I think you would enjoy it, This Hunter. afternoon, I I'm on it. I, I know what Ben geeks out on. I'm not as in tune <laughs> with what you like. Um, but it's it's incredibly interesting. Uh, some of them are a little longer. Uh, I like long YouTube videos. I'll, I'll gladly watch 25 minutes Same. of something interesting. Yep. Um, but they they flow incredibly fast because they're that interesting. You should really give it a shot. Speaking of dialects, have you guys seen the commercials with the guy Sean of the South? Mm -mm. No, it's the it, guy with the beard. Is and, it a bad accent? Yes, it's so bad, and it's like so. <laughs> but I looked it up. Apparently, he is from he's from Florida. But I'm I'm. It sounds fake. Like he's it's over the top, and it's like the the stuff he's talking about. He's like really trying to talk about you know people that live in the South and speak to them. I can't even remember what the commercial's for. 
but it just drove it just drives me crazy when listen to him talk. I'm like, the American Southern accent is probably one of the hardest to replicate. Well, plus there's like there's literally like eight different ones. Yes, my yeah. favorite is the uh, antebellum. Uh, no, <laughs> uh, the Arkansas Texas. Uh, blurring that goes on with the and light like, and right. Yes, that's strange. It's so good. It's you know who, who's done it incredibly well in a movie is Heath Ledger, in um, well, a movie that he played a Texan Texan in. <laughs> yeah, I can't say that I saw it, but uh, well, the guy Eric Singer breaks it down. Uh, so you saw that his, movie, Chase? <laughs> I have it. I did. On, I did I on the jacket young. though. <laughs> Great jacket. All right, stop this episode. Okay, see ya. <laughs> Silky smooth sounds.